There's been a lot of talk in these last days about the second coming of Christ. And rightfully so, because we are living in the last days and church is closer than it's ever been. Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't make predictions. He makes promises. And he has promised in his word he's coming back. And at a time you think not in the twinkling of an eye. In Matthew 25, this parable that I just read, he tells a parable of how important it is to always be ready for that hour because no one knows the day or the hour. It could happen even before I even finish this message. But let me ask you, if it does, are you ready? Are you saved? Because how we are found that his appearing is going to be very important. And this message is important to adhere to today. It should cause all of us to evaluate where we truly are in our lives at this very hour. Because there's a lot of people in the body of Christ who are becoming weary and well-doing. They're fainting. They're falling asleep. Some have even quit because they're tired. These ten virgins were waiting for the bridegroom to come, for their promise to come. Let's talk about waiting for a moment on your promises. The Bible is full of promises. I have them. There's promises I'm waiting on. Now, we all know bad times can wear you down, and they take the breath out of you. You know, most people understand what it's like when you're going through bad times. Why? Because they've been through bad times too. They know they're very strenuous times that they're weighty and they're burdensome. They understand how tenacious you have to be to endure suffering and affliction, sometimes at great lengths. They understand how tough you got to be and how much it takes out of you to survive diseases and affliction and turmoil and tragedy. But what most people don't understand is that even when you're expecting something good to happen, it can cost you something. It can wear you down. They don't understand that having hope in tough times can cost you something. That having faith can cost you something. That having an expectation can cost you something. It takes more than they know for you to stand there in a position of belief when it appears your situation is impossible. Believing for something to happen that hasn't happened and you've been waiting for a long time. It takes a lot to stand up and call something that is not as though it were. And it takes time for it to be. Expecting for something to work out for your good, but it hasn't yet. While you're exercising your faith, living by faith, speaking by faith, you're walking by faith, but the evidence has not yet been seen. It begins to make you second guess. It can even take some to the point of doubt while waiting. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought my son would be off drugs by now. I thought my ministry would be flourishing by now. I thought my wife would come back by now. I thought I wouldn't be grieving by now. When you're hoping for something and it's delayed, hope deferred makes a heart sick. When things are prolonged for a long period of time, your patience begins to run out. Your faith plunders. And if you're not careful, it will wear you down emotionally, physically, and even spiritually. To one day where what you were shouting about, now you're pouting about. In times like these, you have to keep yourself refreshed and strong to endure times like we're now facing in our families and our nation. Waiting causes you to begin to feel what was possible now seems impossible. When you become weary and well-doing, your positive vocabulary now speaks negatively. To where you feel like God has just left you hanging, waiting will wear you out. It costs you more to want something than somebody who wants nothing. That's why we have so many people who fall into the bliss of wanting nothing. People are comfortable just sitting back and letting someone else do it for them. That's why apathy is growing rapidly in the body of Christ. Folks are sitting back enjoying the fruits of someone else's labor. And it's sad to say, folks, but welfare spirituality has come to the church. The church is not an endowment institution. It is a spiritual entity empowered by God and by his spirit. And we got people hanging on to someone else's coattail. It's easier to be complacent than it is to want and not get what's what's hanging over my life. Some people think, well, it's just the way it is. 
this is the cards that life dealt me. No, no. It's just the hand you decided to keep. Because, you see, even a good poker game, you can discard what you don't want and draw again. You don't have to fold because your hand doesn't look good. You discard and you draw again in hopes of having a better hand. Come on, somebody. Too many just surrender to it so you don't have to go through the battle it takes to change it. You're too tired to fight. Don't want to put in the hard work to conquer it. Too many don't want to pay the hefty price. Don't want to wait for it. Folks, in my life alone, I am trying to change a whole generation. And my hope that I have is costing me. It hasn't been easy, but it's going to be worth the price. Many just take what they get and they live with it. They're just going to sit there in their mess and learn to like it. Now, how foolish is that? Murmur and complain, but not lift a hand to change it. Come on, I'm fixing to preach. Buying into this is how it always has been for my family. They have a defeated mentality. But I declare unto you that it is not what God created you to do and be. You were uniquely made and destined for greatness. You were made more than a conqueror. You've just bought into a lie or you're not willing to pay the price to change because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You literally do nothing because you feel you can't be disappointed if you're not expecting nothing. And you're just passing that mentality from generation to generation until someone, someone in your lineage says, enough is enough. I'm going to do whatever it takes to change this. See, the problem with these 10 girls is they had an expectation. And any time you have hope to get up and to get right, to go forward, to move up, to move out, or to get past, it's going to cost you something. I want you to understand that while they were waiting on the bridegroom to come, they were all burning oil in their lamps. It says five were foolish and five were wise. It then gives a reason why. It said those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil and their vessels with the lamps to wait for their promise. While nothing was happening, they were burning oil. While they were expecting his arrival, they were burning oil. While they were waiting hours upon hours, they were burning oil. While the bridegroom was delayed, while the promise was delayed, they slept and they slumbered. Folks, their bodies had become tired from burning oil and waiting. They become emotionally tired while they waited. Some of you all don't understand why you're so tired now. There's a lot of promises over this body. There's a lot of prophecies being given over this church. There's been sermon after sermon proclaiming God's fixing to, but there's been a delay. It's been prophesied this will be a place of perpetual revival, but it's not here yet. Prophesied this is going to be a place that's going to be full, but not yet. Prophesied God's going to deposit his glory here, but not yet. Prophesied the Lord's going to rapture the church, but he hasn't yet. And many have become simply emotionally and physically and spiritually tired from waiting on these things to happen. Their oil has run out. Yet some of you are still holding on with everything you got, while some are barely holding on, about to give up. Sadly, some dumb gave up. They quit. They simply got tired of waiting. Why? Because they became weary and tired. They lost hope. People who moved here, there were people who literally moved here and said, God told me to come here because this is going to be a place of perpetual revival. And they've done gone and moved. They went from shouting to doubting. And those of us that are still holding on, we're tired from waiting. Why? Because we too are burning oil. You got to understand, remember that the oil starts burning the minute you start hoping and expecting. At that moment, you got your promise. Your lamp was lit. When you start expecting, your oil started burning. How many remember being on fire for God when you first started your Christian journey? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Why, from the moment you heard a word of hope, you ran around glowing, your countenance was all lifted up, you were letting your light shine before men, you were burning your oil. How? You were on fire for God, burning bright. Why? Your faith was lit up. Faith is what? The substance things hoped for, but the evidence of things not yet seen. 
You hadn't seen what you were hoping for yet, but the fact that you heard there was hope for an expectation, a promise, it lit your lamp. Because faith cometh and cometh by hearing the word of God. It gives you an expectation. Didn't nobody have to ask you if you had one. It was evident. You came in here with your lamp shining. You were shouting and you were clapping. You were praising God with everything that you got in you. You were serving and ministering. You came every time the doors opened. Why? You had an expectation. But look at you today. What happened? Time. The time between then and now. Waiting is taking its toll on you. You're tired if you admit it. The promise is still there, but your strength is gone. You're still here, but your expectation is gone. And because your lamp is running out of oil, your expectations have grown dim. Stay with me now. This is all going to add up in just a bit. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to burn some oil while you're waiting on your promise. Waiting on that wavered son to get saved. Waiting on the right man. Waiting on that promotion. But the Bible says, though, they wait on the, on the Lord will renew their strength. So you have to be strong to wait, to stay focused, to keep going when everyone else quits. You've got to be tough to hold on during the lean times, to hold on when there's only just three of you, to work all day and go to school at night, to work two jobs to make ends meet, till things get better. Anybody in here ever been through tough times besides me? While you're waiting on your breakthrough to occur in your life, but you've toughed it out regardless, believe me, I may not be where I want to be, but I still want to go there. I'll never accept this is all there is. You're tough and you're tenacious. Listen, my history is not my destiny. Folks, that's why I don't care what people say. There's two kinds of people. There's the anointers and then there's the embalmers. The one who speaks life into you and the other one who speaks death to you. These two kinds of people were in Jesus' day. They were both at his crucifixion. People be like, I knew you when you used to. I don't care how many people knew me when I used to. Unless you know me now, you need to shut up about me. Because you don't know anything about me anymore. Because my history is not my destiny. Who I was is not who I am now. You may have known me when I laid out, when I drank up, and I got messed up. But have you known me since I got up and I straightened up? Because if all you ever know about me is my history, you really don't know me. Right now, I'm talking to people who got a dream and a hope. They're still burning oil. People who've had their setbacks, but they're still waiting for their promises, believing, though the vision tarry, it shall come to pass. You know, when you first start out, you were very optimistic. It'll be here in a minute. I'm ready. I'm just waiting. And you're waiting for the promises to come that God has promised you. And you start waiting. And then you're waiting. And you keep on waiting. And you're waiting. I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. But I'm tired. Anybody here know what it's like to become really tired of waiting? Tolerating? Hanging on for a promise to come to pass? Now, I'm not talking to Superman and Superwoman today. This morning, I'm talking to real folks. Trying to keep your head up, but you're tired. Trying to keep your spirit up to be tough, to keep smiling, to keep waiting for your promise. Well, you know, one by one by one by one, all the virgins went to sleep. This is where too many are at in the church, asleep. And the Bible says they all went to sleep, not just the foolish ones, but also the wise ones. I don't care how smart you are, you still get tired. How spiritual you are, you still get tired. How committed you are, you still get tired. Anybody here today that would admit you're tired? Because God told me there was. I don't mean just the kind of tired you get at night. I mean the kind of tired where you go to bed and you wake up tired. You go to work tired. You go to lunch tired. You come home tired. You answer the phone tired. You walk around smiling while you're tired. That kind of tired. Isn't it amazing we can put up with a lot of stuff until we get tired? Come on. See, I'm a real nice person until I get smack dab tired. <laughs> I can look the other way all day long. A lot of things don't even matter until I get tired. 
Why is it people get on your nerves so much more when you're tired? That by 5 p.m. you're screaming, you're about to get on my last nerve because you're tired. Why is it you speak your mind so much more quickly when you're tired? Be honest. You're human. You're the same way. They can ask you the same question when you're not tired, and they'll get a completely different attitude and answer. Matthew 25, 5 says, the bridegroom was a long time in coming. Didn't say he never come. Said he was a long time in coming. And while waiting, they all began to come drowsy and fell asleep. They were so tired that they all fell asleep. Folks, waiting for something good to take place can take its toll on you while you're believing for your promises to come through. You're going through hell at your house, and you've been praying and waiting for that joker to straighten up. Can wear you down. Are you hearing me? It can cost you so much to get ready to hold on for something good to happen. That sometimes when good things finally happen, or the time comes finally for it to happen, you don't have the strength to enjoy it because you went through so much stuff wanting to get it. I can tell you a true story of a woman who prayed for 12 years for her husband to be saved. The day comes, and he does get saved. One year after he did, the woman backslid. Now, he's in church, and she's out. They're divorced today, and he got saved. By the time something good happens, you can become too tired to truly enjoy it. Ladies, do you ever cook a big meal, and you cook, and you clean all night until the next day? Greet everybody all morning, serve everybody their food, but by the time you sit down to eat too, you're not even hungry. You're too tired to enjoy it. It costs you something to try to get to where you want to go. You just can't click your heels together and say Jesus three times and spin around and you're there. It costs you something to change your life, to be ready, to get over your past, to get through your pain, to get over your grieving. That's why you can't let jealous people bother you because they don't know the cost of the oil in your alabaster box. They don't know what it cost you to get from where you was to where you are today. Roll your eyes at me if you want to, but I paid a price. Come on. They were burning oil while they were waiting for their promise. It's not like you expend energy when you get there. You expend your energy trying to get there. So their bodies got tired and they'd fallen asleep. Now their gowns are all wrinkled from sleeping. Their hair is all messed up from sleeping. Not too many people look as good after they sleep than before they go to sleep. Amen. And the bridegroom hasn't come yet, and the oil is burning in their lamps. Then suddenly the cry is made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. This isn't bad news. The promise has come. This is good news. Remember, for the believer, for those who are ready, right? This is great news. This is what they've been waiting for. Now I ask the Lord, why do you want me to preach this? He said, because many of my people that have been waiting for some things to happen... Those things are fixing to come forth as I promised. Things you've been praying for, working for, walking the floors for, not sleeping because of scratching to survive for is about to happen. And God said, but I'm concerned whether or not they're ready to receive it. This is the season you've been waiting on. The church has been praying for. Stay with me. I'm going to sort all this out. It's been a long time. Behold, it cometh. And God is saying to you, behold, you can fill in the blank. It cometh. The thing that was afar off, now, say now, draweth nigh. Why some more now than then? Folks, God is wrapping things up. Things are accelerating the spiritual realm. He's about to come back. And you're more closer than you've ever been. It's not a time to get up. It's time to be prepared. It's a time to straighten up, and it's a time to get back up. It was time for the brides to get up because, behold, the promise they were waiting on was coming. Look at someone and say, it's coming because he's coming. Here's the concern. It's possible to come into your season and not have what it takes to receive it, not what have what it takes to take you to the next level, not have the strength to birth it. As a believer, you're pregnant with promise. 
But don't abort your promise just because you're tired, just because it's going to take a little bit longer. You've got to keep your strength renewed to be prepared. You've got to keep your lamps trimmed and full of oil. Zechariah said, this is a day of rebuke and trouble. For the children have come to birth, but the mother has no strength to deliver. Folks, it's not whether the baby's coming. That's a promise. It's coming. The greatest hour of the church is coming. Your baby's coming. Your promise is coming. The question is when it comes, will you have the strength to deliver it? Will you be prepared for it? For what God's fixing to do in your life, you're going to need strength. But what God's fixing to do in these last days in the church, we're going to need strength like never before. If we don't have strength, what happens to our promise when we can't deliver it? We abort it. We must keep our lamps burning by keeping them full of his oil. Well, I've come to tell you and the church, you've carried this thing, this baby, this promise too long. Been through so much stuff, had too many sleepless nights, too many labor pains to lose it now. It's time to push again. Church, this is when push comes to shove. And I say unto you, strengthen yourself. Gird up your loins. God's about to deliver your promise. Hallelujah. Give God praise. Hallelujah. It's not a time to quit. It's a time to fight. Behold, it cometh. And so many of us are waiting on promises to come in our lives, but many have given up on them. They grew weary in their waiting. Now, there's also a greater promise made to all of us that many have grown weary and have given up on. And there are some who know so little about it, and some are so unprepared for it. The bridegroom Jesus is talking about is actually about himself when he comes back for his bride, the church. He is the bridegroom who is promised. This passage speaks of his second coming and that many won't be prepared for this promise either. He speaks of how many will be found unprepared. Watch this. When the bridegroom, their promise comes, this is where they find out who is wise and who is foolish. They were all virgins. They were all women. They were all dressed. They all been handpicked, all in the same place, all waiting together, and they all fell asleep. So at this point, you couldn't tell who was wise or foolish just looking at them. In this room alone today, there's some wise and there's some foolish. And we really won't know who's who until the bridegroom comes. We won't know who's truly ready and who is not. When the thing you've been waiting on comes, how prepared you are tells whether you're wise or foolish. And how you react to this message in just a few more minutes will tell whether you're wise or foolish. In verse 6, the cry goes out. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out and meet him. All of a sudden, the ladies awaken. They grab their lamps and they begin to trim them. So they will burn as bright as they can. And you hear five of them all of a sudden go, uh-oh. Oh, no. I'm not ready. I'm out of oil. I don't have enough. I planned on having enough for when he got here. But I didn't plan on having enough to wait. Oh, y'all got to get this. Five of them have spent their going oil in their waiting mode. And now it's time to go. But they don't have what they need to go. They're not ready to receive the promise. It's like you filled your car up on Monday because you planned on going out of town on Saturday. But you drove it all out before Saturday came. And now Saturday's here and you don't have enough gas to go now. It's like the child is coming to the birth canal, but the mother don't have the strength to push. Just when it's about to happen, that's when you find out if you're ready or not. Because if you're not, it's panic time. Verse 4 says, five of them took oil in their jars along with their lamps. They had made sure they were prepared to always be ready. They made sure they had more than enough oil. 
Understand this. In that day, these jars were made out of clay where you couldn't see what was in anyone else's jar. You couldn't just look on the outside of a clay container and tell how much oil was in it. No more than today. You can't look on the outside of this clay container and tell how much oil I have in here. You can't tell if I'm about to run out or if I'm about to give up or if I'm empty. The only way you're going to tell how much oil I got, if I have any at all, is you got to set this thing on fire. And when you put the fire on me, you'll be able to tell what I got and how much I got. Are you following me? Because it might not appear on the outside what I got on the inside. But when the fire hits me and I produce no light, that means I'm out of oil and I'm empty. And sadly, there's some empty clay pots here today. Your fires went out. You don't have the strength to birth what you've been waiting for when it comes. You're not even prepared for the bridegroom. Verse 7 says, all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. While you're waiting to get what you want to be prepared, you've got to do some trimming. When you trim your wick, you're trimming off the burnt up part so you can burn bright again. Some people won't receive the promise because they don't trim their wicks. If you don't cut away some stuff, you're going to keep, not going to keep shining. You're not going to be ready. You've got to let it go of the burned up, the past. Forgetting those things which are behind you and reaching forth for those things in front of you. It's time for some people to trim their wicks. All of them trim their wicks. That will mean something in a moment. We're headed somewhere. For some to be ready when the bridegroom comes, it's going to mean cutting some folks loose. You're going to have to do some cutting loose. Some cutting back. Some cutting down. It's snip, 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 snip time if you want to be ready. How are you going to let your light shine for men if your wick is burnt up or you have no oil? If you got sin issues, you got to cut it out. And God is speaking to someone. Before I can do what I want to do in your life, you got to cut some things out. Because God's saying, time's up. If you're not willing to trim your wicks, you're fixing to miss the greatest season of your life. You're fixing to abort your promise. It's that serious. The five who brought no oil with them who weren't prepared trimmed their wicks, tried to lie to them, and they went out because they had no oil left in their lamps. But the five who were prepared, who had more than enough, lit their lamps and they were ready. Church, we have a God who deals in excess. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above what you're even able to ask or think. In other words, he's not just a God who meets your need. He's a God who exceeds your needs. And God says, I'm not just instant filling your cup. I'm the God who makes your cup overflow because I want you to have an overflow. I'm not going to only just give you two fishes and five loaves of bread to feed 5,000. I'm going to give you another 12 baskets to take home with you when you're done. Because I always want you to have more than enough because I'm a God of excess. If I fill you with the Holy Ghost, I'll fill your whole family. And I'll fill you over and over again to where it won't always be, it will always be more than enough. If I get your sons off drugs, I'll call them to preach. I won't only save one of your kids. I'll save all five of them and grandpa too. Come on, somebody. The problem with the five whose lamp went out, they were just operating in enough trust trying to get by. Oh, they had enough oil. If everything went just how they had it planned, but if anything went wrong, the foolish ones just carried the oil in their lamps and bought no extra. So in other words, they had done predetermined how long they were going to wait. Come on, somebody. Like many do. I'll give God till such and such day. If you don't do it by then, forget it. I'm not waiting forever. I'll give this Christian thing a little while. I'll believe he's coming back for a little while. I'll believe he's got a destiny for me for a little while. And if it don't happen in your time frame, you're done. Your oil is gone. Been a many a persons walk through them doors, get on fire for God for a period of time, only for time to pass, and they never come back. Why? They ran out of oil. They didn't keep their wicks trimmed. They didn't keep their lamps full. The wise had oil in their lamps. They made sure they had enough. They kept prepared. They kept refilling their lamps with their excess. 
kept praying, kept believing, kept being refreshed in the Holy Ghost. They had more than enough. They made sure of it. So when their lamps got dim, they were like, I expected this to happen. That's okay. I prepared for the long haul. There are some people in here that by looking at your lamp, the devil thinks you're out of oil, that you're tired and you're done going to sleep. But boy, is he wrong. Oh, you may be tired and sleepy, but you're not empty. You still got something down inside you that says, though he slays me yet, I will trust him. Come on. Isn't it funny how you get backed into a corner and you find strength you didn't know you had? Your enemy comes in like a flood and you got power and you didn't know you think you had? You got enough in you for one more fight if he wants to fight? Tired, maybe sleepy, but empty? Oh, no, big boy. Come and get you some of this. For the five wise, they were okay. They had enough to take them to the next level to receive their promise. But for the five foolish who ran out who weren't prepared, here's what happened according to verse Eight, they said to the other five who were prepared, give us some of your oil, we're out. They were like, hey girl, hook a sister up. Girl, you know me, I was out and brushed your hair last night. But know this, God's blessings are not always transferable. What I mean, if Joe gets tired of walking, Mike might carry him for a little ways. But at some point, Mike's going to put him down and say, brother, you're going to have to walk. <laughs> Why? Because you done wore him down by draining his strength. And he concludes, he don't got enough for both of you. Why do I say that? For some of you, you got people draining your oil out of your lamps. All that God gave you to get you to where you need to go, but you're giving it away. Now, let me clarify. I'm not opposed to helping people. Matter of fact, that's all my life is about anymore. I want to help people. But I'm against carrying people for so long that I can't make it either. Make it, I can't make it either. Because not only do I go down, you go down too. And there comes a time you've got to walk for yourselves. There's going to be a day you're going to stand before God all by yourself, and I can't help you. Jesus says, take up the cross and follow me. In verse 9, the five wives told the other five, there's not enough for both of us. You should have been ready. You had the same opportunity we had to get ready. They told the girls who had no oil, there's a place over on the corner of Broadway and Park Street. Just go to the second light, make a right, fall it down about four more blocks. It's right on the corner. Knock on the door. Knock hard. It's midnight. I'm sure they're asleep, but wake them up and get you some. That's where we got ours. You can get yours at the same place because I can't carry you this time. Let me tell someone today. Mama carried you that carried you that nine months. She can't carry you for 30 years. At some point, you got to let him go and say, if I ain't taught you nothing by now, I'll never teach him. Tell him, I trained you up in the way you should go. Son, I'm 50 years old now. I just got enough old to get me there. Folks, the church can only carry you so far. Mama can only carry you so far. Grandpa can only carry you so far. There comes a time when you got to walk and stand your own. That's for somebody. So this is what they told the foolish to go buy. Verse 9 says, go to them who sell oil and buy for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. And the virgins that were ready went in. The ones who were prepared for this coming went in. For those of you who are ready for this, your season to go in. You've done your trimming. You've cut out some things. You've got to declare, I'm going in. You've got to tell those around you, I'm going in. Do what you want. But I'm going in. I'm going to be prepared. Criticize me if you want, but I'm going in. Stay there if you want, but I'm going in. Keep acting like that if you want, but I'm going in. Keep hiding stuff if you want, but I'm going in. Keep hanging out there, but I'm going in. Quit if you want to, but I'm going in. It's my season. I've been through too much. I've waited too long for this day. I have prepared for this day. Those that were ready, they went in and left the foolish searching. What they could have had, if they would have believed, would have prepared, would have been in it for the long haul. Well, I'm fixing to bring all this to a close and pull it all together. I know this passage is about the promise of the second coming of the Lord. 
But I also believe it correlates with promises in general, that waiting can drain you emotionally, physically, spiritually, that you can tire out to the point you're no longer prepared. Now, I was troubled when I read this passage because God spoke two things to me I'll share in a moment. You know, as I read, it wasn't the search of the foolish that troubled me because I know what it's like to be out searching. Can I be honest? Sometimes I've been wise. And sometimes I've been foolish. I've done foolish stuff to where I woke up the next morning screaming at myself. What were you thinking? How could you have been such a moron? So I'm not criticizing the foolish. I'm burdened for them. I'm not extolling the wise, trying to put someone on a pedestal because they got it all together. The thing that disturbed me the most about this story is found in, verse, in chapter 25, verse 10. It said, while they went to buy... The bridegroom came. Then it was the last five words of this verse that disturbed me the most and should disturb you too. If you're not ready for the second coming of the Lord, when the bridegroom comes, it's when it tells me, while they were searching, the bridegroom shut the door. Verse 11, the Bible says, Afterward came also the other five Virgin saying, pleading, Lord, Lord, open to us. They were too late. The five foolish virgins came to the right door at the wrong time. They had waited too late to get ready, too late to change, and the door was shut. The five foolish virgins seeing the door shut must have felt so deserted. I can just imagine one of them thinking, up to this point, I hadn't done anything so crazy I couldn't still get in the door. Is this really happening? I know I should have been more serious and prepared. I know I made a lot of mistakes. Sure, I've had to fall on my knees many times, repent and say I'm sorry, but I could still get in the door. But this day, time has really run out for good. He has shut the door for good. So what troubles me is sadly that day is really going to come for so many. The scripture says not everyone that calls the Lord, Lord, will enter in. Those who weren't prepared serious about their relationship with Jesus Christ, who thought they had plenty of time to get it right, but waited too long. They got tired. They fainted. They quit. They failed to keep their spiritual strength renewed. So many people have known God are no longer prepared to meet him today. This Bible says there will be a day of judgment when he will look at many and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never even knew you. And the door was shut. In the Old Testament, a day come when God had enough of the immoral travesty of his people that he destroyed the earth and only eight people were spared. Amen. There was a day and an hour when the door to the ark shut and that was it. And all the people who had laughed and mocked Noah were destroyed. Now let me pull all this together. Musicians want to come. Today, this day, at this moment, the door is still open. How long? I don't know. But I believe it's not really going to be all that much longer. Because I believe we're close enough there before the second coming of Christ. The signs, the prophecies are fulfilled. And I said earlier to find out whether you're wise or foolish will be determined by how you respond when you're challenged. Well, God's fixing to challenge every single one of us now. Why? Because God loves you. Too much to just let you sit there and not receive his promises. And God sent me to tell you he's about to do two things. That we're in the last days and he's fixing to do two things. We're hearing more and more about the rapture of the church. And it's evident we're in the last days. Even unbelievers are professing this old world isn't going to last too much longer. Folks, he can come any minute. He can come in the twinkling of an eye. And we've talked about how he's coming and when he's coming, who he's coming for. But today, God wants to talk about the condition he's going to find us in when he comes. Either wise and ready or foolish and unprepared. In this passage of scripture, God's declaring how people will be found when he comes. I've talked about you receiving blessings now. Promises coming to pass. And as well about the bridegroom coming back intertwined for a reason. In closing, 
God told me there's two things fixing to take place. First, an outpouring like never before. Your season, the church's greatest season ever is coming. They're going to be phenomenal for those who have been waiting and ready to receive their promises. God is waking up a sleeping giant. And God sent me to tell the church the promises we've been waiting on are coming. We've been waiting on the Spirit of God to hit this place in a supernatural way for some time now. But I come to you to say, behold, it's coming. Sons and daughters are going to come from afar. That spouse you've been praying for is going to come to know the Lord. But the question is, does the church have the strength to deliver it, to birth it? But God says, I'm sending my spirit today to strengthen the church. And if you're tired emotionally, physically, spiritually, I come today, God says, to renew your strength, to fill your lamps with oil so they can be filled back up today. I'm not talking to those who don't want nothing. I'm talking to those who've been waiting on something, but you're tired. He's fixing to set his church on fire, but you've got to have oil in your lamp. And I'm here to tell and declare to you, the church is going out filled and on fire, not weak and anemic. Things you've been praying and waiting on for a long time are going to become suddenly, and God wanted me to encourage you, don't give up. And the second thing, the rapture of the church, which he's specifically dealing with here, is coming soon. He's coming back for those who are wise enough to be ready, waiting on his return, preparing for it. Folks, he's wrapping things up, and when he comes a second time, he will shut the door. This is the most accurate description of how we will be found when the bridegroom comes, either wise or foolish. The Bible declares in Matthew 24, 37, 42, that when the Lord comes back, the second time will be like the days of Noah. So many have gave up on his term. Many have gotten tired, but it's not a time to give up, but it's time to wake up, church, because he's coming. Matthew's 25, 1, in his own words, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five were wise, five were foolish. In this room today, God has told me there are the foolish and the wise. Would you stand with me, please? This is a very serious message for today. You're here by divine order. You're not in this place today by mistake. God is here to speak to every single person in every single seat. He's coming back. And you got to be prepared. You got to really be ready. He says, there's a wise, you're ready, but you're tired. Been waiting and waiting. You've been told, you've been fretting, you've been fighting everything you got. And today, God wants to refresh you and strengthen you so you'll be able to endure and keep waiting and fighting so that you will have more than enough. He says, come on you that labor and heavy laden, I shall give you rest. Then there's the one that's here, your lamp was burning bright, and you ran out of oil. The weight the, took its toll on you. You're not here by accident. God's drawing you back. He's never given up on you. You know he's coming. You're just not ready anymore. The cares of life have drained your oil. And if the bridegroom came today, you'd miss him. Oh, you'd rush to get ready. But while you're searching for the oil, the door will shut. You know where to go. You know the door to go to. It will just be at the wrong time. You gave up too soon or even allowed sin to creep in. But I got good news today at this moment. The door is still open. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of all sin. You simply just got to repent so the times of refreshing can come once again. God's making a last call to his prodigal sons and daughters. 
Then there's those in here that have never had any oil in your lamps. The way you receive the oil, the Holy Spirit is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's no other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, behold, I stand at the door and I knock on your heart. If any man will open up, I'll come in. That thing that you're feeling right now, that's God knocking at your heart. He's coming soon. You don't want to miss him. The greatest lie of your enemy is you got time. We find in Scripture that the day now come that the door will shut. Come as you are. Don't be foolish. I was for 37 years. And if he would have come during that time, I would have missed it. Today is a day of salvation. No man knows the hour or the day, but we can know the season. And we know there's a time limit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, If you're here today and you have known the Lord, but you're one of the ones that your oil ran out, or sin crept in, or cares of life took you away, you're not prepared. There was a day you once was prepared, but today you're no longer prepared. You know today that all you have to do is ask God to forgive you. And you can rededicate your life back to the Lord today. Then there's those in here that you've never had any oil in your lamp. You've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You are not ready. You're not ready if you should die today before he comes. You're not ready. But if he comes before you die, you're not ready. And today it's simply as giving, giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. So both, both of those groups of people I just mentioned, heads bowed, eyes, keep them closed, please. I want you to pray this prayer with me if you're ready to be prepared to say, I've got to get it right again, or I've got to get it right today. You pray this prayer and you believe this in your heart. And today, God will make you ready for his return. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I ask you, God, to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins but you rose again. So today I commit my life to you. I want to be prepared for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your heads bowed, please. If you just rededicated your life back to the Lord, or if you prayed for the first time that prayer, you must confess that. Would you do that by raising your hand up right where you're standing today? See one in the back, one here, one was back there. Hold them up high. Four, five. Anybody over here? Hold them up high, would you? Don't be ashamed. Just give your life to Jesus Christ. There's one right here. Six, seven, rededicated. Making sure. Okay. Seven people. Have you just given their life to the Lord? are rededicated their life. They're prepared. They're ready. Give God praise. Now God's not done just yet. I'm going to ask you, if you're here today and you're grown tired or weary or your lamp's getting dim, Every single one of us ought to be coming to this altar on a regular basis, being refilled, keeping our oil full so that we're ready and that we don't quit and we don't give up. So I'm going to ask this body, if you'd come forward this morning, along with the seven, 
and come forward and let God fill you, renew you, your strength. Would you please come? Come and let God strengthen you. Let Him renew you. Let Him, you say, I've got oil. Well, let Him come and let your cup runneth over today. Would you come? By coming, you're showing the seven that just gave their life to the Lord that this is what they have to keep doing. You have to keep renewing yourself. You have to keep coming to this altar in the presence of God and let God refill you and renew you. Those of you at the altar, would you lift your hands, please? Father, let thy Holy Spirit come, God. Renew and strengthen your brethren, Father. God, we ask you to pour out your Spirit on everyone here. They're tired. They're weary. They're waiting. They're holding on. And they're just asking you, God, give me enough oil. Keep me full, God, so I can keep waiting and keep holding on, waiting for your promises, God also waiting, God, for your return. So they might be ready that day, God, Lord. Father, we thank you that you care enough for us. You've spoken to our lives today of the urgency that there is for us, God, to be ready, to be prepared, God, Lord, for your coming. In Jesus' name, we give you the praise today. Everybody says amen. Could you give God a great big praise in this place? God bless you. You guys can finish up with worship. You're dismissed. God bless you. Keep your lamps burning.